Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Oh man, are you all registered to vote, Mike? Me? No. Because <laughs> this, this, basically the day this is coming out is... That's right. It's going to be voting day. So Full-blown election time. And I know that not all the people that listen to the podcast are from the United States of America, but uh, if you are, then today is the day. I mean, not today, but Tuesday is the day. Do your duty. That it's time to do your duty. Like, <laughs> you you know, said duty. Like, like Puffy would say, vote <laughs> or die. Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, right. It's today, today's the day, or this week is the day, but yeah. it's all the buzz. It's what everybody's talking yeah. about. All anybody cares about is the presidential election. And, and that's because, um, well, that's because we've got the two of the greatest presidential <laughs> candidates in history running for president. Well, I'm just looking forward to this being done so I can stop getting those robocalls on my oh, phone yeah. and getting time. mysterious people knocking on my door and leaving gifts for me mm-hmm. of literature. <laughs> No, it's all pretty silly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just, yeah. But that goes with the territory, mm-hmm. right? Everybody is uh, angling for their candidate. Mm, indeed, yes. And so um, so whoever you guys decide to vote for, um, I'm voting for Cthulhu. You can write in Cthulhu in Madison, in Wisconsin. <laughs> you can write in Cthulhu, because why settle for the lesser of two evils? Oh, why, look at I, what you did there. Why I just go for the big one? And that's not my, that's... Uh, <laughs> is that... <laughs> Actually, the first time I saw that there was a Cthulhu for president in 1988. 1988, I was at Gen really? Con in Milwaukee. Oh, that's brilliant. And there was a Cthulhu for president rally. And that was the poster. It said, why settle for the lesser of two evils? That's awesome. And you could wear your Cthulhu hat that you have. I could. I could if I was, if I was running. I was I'm canvassing for Cthulhu. Hey, everybody. I was just wondering if you thought about the presidential election. You should, I wonder, would they let you wear that in? Yeah, you could probably. I guess it kind of covers up your face, though. You don't have to. Well, you, you have to bring an ID. Oh, well, I know, but... I mean, don't I could, you look kind of scary? Like, I could lift it up a little bit and be like, no, it's me. Like, what if you were one of those ski masks and you look like a burglar? Do you think that's going to just fly completely? <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, they're going to be, you can't just be the burglar right. walking in the. And that's basically what your Cthulhu hat is. So, yeah. I mean, but a hundred times cooler, of course. But. Right. But anyway, so that that's the official, I think. I think the official endorsement of the CEO on the other side podcast is Cthulhu for president. <laughs> okay. That's, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I am too. So if you're going to vote, uh, vote Cthulhu. Yeah. Any, anyway. How's your week been? My week's been pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. I'm always excited about November because that means it's oh. my birthday month. Oh, that's right. My, yeah. My birthday month. So that's cool because you have that to look forward to because I'm still coming down from the Halloween high. Yes. <laughs> and the all the fun of October that is now over. Right. Well, the nice thing about living in our world is that Halloween never has to end. It just ends for the normals. Yeah, that's true. You're right. And it is still, it's been beautiful weather here. And mm-hmm. so we've got, uh, the fall colors are still out, thankfully. They haven't all shriveled up and died yeah, yet. No, it's Native American summer. It's outside. wonderful. There's plenty to enjoy. I should keep that in mind and stop yes. being a downer about right. the end of Halloween. <laughs> I mean, winter is coming, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you know, something we didn't talk about, on, we released a podcast on Halloween. Yeah. And something that we forgot to talk about. What? Was the fact that See You on the Other Side has been around for two years. <gasps> Yes, it has. 116 episodes, two hey, years. All right, congratulations. High five. <laughs> Can you edit some kind of huge slap in there? That'd be great. Thanks. 
Um, yeah, so two years have been around. So thank you, everybody, for making it worthwhile. Yeah, thanks for listening. I mean, obviously, if a tree falls in the woods, right. <laughs> no and, one's there to hear it. <laughs> and so and in that time, we've made iTunes New and Notable a couple of times. We've met uh, literally thousands of new people uh, in this community. And I'd say it's been pretty exciting. Very exciting. So, so it's been a great two years. Yeah, it has been. <laughs> I agree. It's been a fantastic two years. And thank you to everybody who's keeping on listening because every week we're breaking our personal yeah. listening records or downloads. It's exciting. Records. So every week we're getting more people downloading the podcast. Which means our community's growing. Yeah. Our, our weird. Right. The weird and wonderful community of <laughs> yes. this side is growing. So thank you everybody for hanging out and, um, and really making it worthwhile for us to talk about these strange topics every week. Yes, for sure. And, you Thank know, you. Uh, we started this discussion talking about the election. Mm-hmm. The president, I mean, the presidential election is a big one. I'm sure, I mean, your, your congressman's running. If you live in the U.S., your congressman's running. There's probably like the dog catcher is running. <laughs> the local mortician. Actually, I'll tell you about that in a second when we start talking. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, the, the mort, not a mortician running, but the, it's the... Um, oh, um, yeah, the, the exam- coroner. The coroner, yeah, the county yeah. coroner also is an elected position. Oh, that's right. And so they're all running too. So just make sure, you know, I think the biggest thing is that a lot of people go into these local races and they don't even know like what's going yeah, on. So they kind true. of go with the party. So I'd say it's always a good idea to see like what people are doing, what's it all about, and maybe look into who Cthulhu is supporting in your local race. Because <laughs> Cthulhu is probably supporting someone in your local race that wants to do some kind of harm. You're going to want to vote for them. For sure, Yeah. This public service announcement was brought to you by See You on the Other Side. <laughs> right? I am Cthulhu and I approve this message. Gosh. Sorry, he'd be speaking some kind wow. of elder god language. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, it'd just be all tentacles. <laughs> he'd sound like Dr. Zoidberg. <laughs> he would. I'm Cthulhu and I approve this person. Okay. Oh. Anyway, enough of your silliness, Wendy. Yeah, I'm out of control. You are. So the, the thing is, is that, I mean, like sports... Yeah. And like show business, mm-hmm. elections are full of superstitions. And you can tell why. I mean, why it's full of superstitions. It's because you're doing something and you are throwing it out to the world and seeing what comes back. It's like That's gambling. Right. You're yeah. gambling with the future of the, with the world. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> but I mean, so when you run for office, like you can't control what the people, I mean, oh, yeah. in Illinois, you can, can control <laughs> who they're going to vote for. Like obviously in Illinois, you can. Hey, something funny. Be nice to our Illinois neighbors. No, I, 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 love, I love our Illinois neighbors. But something funny, I was uh, talking to an uh, in-law of mine from Rockford yesterday. And he says one of his son's friends, and since we talk about ghost tours all the time on the, on the podcast, yeah. one of his son's friends is a journalist in Chicago and runs a Chicago corruption tour. Whoa, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. I've heard of the ones in Vegas, I think, about that, but I've never heard of the Chicago one. We could do that. Yeah, That's with, like with two governors in a row, Democrat and a Republican, <laughs> going to prison in Illinois. And Mayor Daly, oh, obviously. And plenty to talk about. 1968 Democratic Convention in Chicago. There's just so much to talk but about. But where so, do they go? I have no idea. Here's where the corruption occurred. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. it doesn't seem they that exciting. Walk, they just I don't walk know. by City Hall and say, this is where <laughs> someone was brought. Right. Oh. They probably go to places where... Mayor Daly ordered a beatdown. Oh, like I see. Okay. It just made me laugh. Yeah. It was like, oh, Chicago corruption tour sounds like fun. That does sound pretty cool. And it sounds like it's, it's like a very Chicago thing. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, speaking of Chicago things, before we jump into the election stuff, one more update. Now, Wendy, we had talked about your participation in the Chicago <gasps> Ghost Con this year. Yes. And that was at the, Willow- yeah. the Willowbrook Ballroom. Yep. And didn't just last week something happen to the Willowbrook? Yeah, it burned down. It's gone now. Right, isn't that crazy? So yeah. where you just were, where is the story of Chicago's most famous ghost story is from, yeah. Resurrection Mary. right. She went she was, for her last dance yeah. at the Willowbrook Ballroom. Yep. Uh, you it's were, unbelievable. Did, did Mary and, start the fire? Was she like, I'm sick of you people talking about me? I don't know. But, you know, it's funny because I really liked the place a lot. It has that kind of um, old school Vegas feel to it. Like, okay, so like, like one of the, the old, like the dirty places down on the old strip, you know. Like Fremont. Or I shouldn't Fremont say dirty. Street. It's nice. No, it's elegant. Think. But it has that like... Vintage feel. I mean, to it's sleazy. It. It's, no, it's not sleazy. But it did have a white piano on stage, and it just kind of had that like combined old building sure. with the '70s like disco redo feel. Um, there was right by our booth. Actually, I took a picture of. There was a no smoking sign that was like the cigarette tied in a knot, <laughs> just like one of those classic, you know, sure. that kind of thing. And um, and so that no smoking sign was probably put in like 2006 or whatever after 80 years of smoking in that building. Yeah, maybe. But it really looked like a a no smoking sign that was made in the 70s. Okay. And before we left, I just did kind of a whirl around because I wanted to explore the building. So I'm really glad because it was a busy weekend. And it's, and it's always fun to go for a whirl. A whirl, yes. And I took a few pictures. Unfortunately, I didn't take more because now I regret. Well, you didn't but, know it was going to burn down the next week. But it was such a cool place that I wanted to make sure I had some photos to show people, you know, what exactly the environment was for mm-hmm. the Ghost Con. So I've got those pictures. And now I was looking back and I'm thinking like, wow, this is all gone. gone. How sad. And, and now I'm sad I didn't go because I've, yeah. I've driven past the Willbrook Ballroom probably, you know, 20 times. Yeah. And I've never been in there. But I always knew it was a place, I mean, at least since I first heard the story of Resurrection Mary. Yeah. Which was when I was like six well, <laughs> when I heard that story. It's got a really interesting history. I guess apparently it used to be called the O'Henry Park or something oh, like that. Because it was sponsored by the candy bar and, company. Oh, it really was sponsored by the candy bar company? <laughs> yeah. So that Gilbert Godfrey joke, really, oh my God, okay. <laughs> but it's got this long history, you know, it's been there for, I, I forgot how long, really long, and long enough to, to have some ghosts and things. So. Right, and now it's gone. Very sad to lose that landmark and that piece of Chicago history. Mm-hmm. Also lost in fire like so many places in Chicago. Yeah, well, the great Chicago Tragic. fire. Tragic, yeah. And what was her name, Mrs. O'Leary and her cow like kicked over the lantern? That was the, That's the urban oh, legend. Wasn't it Daisy or... Okay. Well, the cow. The cow. <laughs> the water tower downtown has an entire like museum dedicated to the Great Chicago Fire. That's right. And because whenever we'd stay in Chicago when I was growing up, my mother would always win free tickets. Oh, cool. To the muse- so we'd always have to go because Fun. she's like, well, I won the tickets on WGN. Because she would win things on WGN. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. So she would win contests on WGN. She's lucky. Every month. Like Amazing. Because we lived in the, uh, you, could li- you could hear oh, WGN. You're far enough south. That right. you could get that we could get the seven twenty a.m. Yeah, and so my mother would always listen, and she'd always win. So we'd always have these free tickets, the same thing, and we'd always have to use them. <laughs> she'd be like, "Well, I well want yeah, to go to my you stuff. know." And I'm like, "How many times do I got to hear about this damn cow?" <laughs> right. But it is the water tower is a very interesting. It's a very cool museum. And now, as an adult, I would definitely appreciate the history in a way that I yes. wouldn't have appreciated when I was obviously yeah. nine years old. Right. Yeah, these things so, take on different meanings. Anyway, so we're getting, I know we're getting off the topic about the corruption. 
tour. But the, yeah. so if you're down in Chicago, make sure you check out the Chicago Corruption. <laughs> I'll look for some. I'll look for a link to that and put it in the show notes because it does sound like something. It sounds like the most, like it sounds like a political kind of thing that I would actually be interested in. Sure. Right. <laughs> Whereas most of those I have politics not. is more fun when they're taking advantage of you. <laughs> At least you. No, but I mean. I mean uh, anyway. So uh, we'll, we'll look for that and then put the links in the show notes and stuff like that. So, but anyway, we're joking around about politics here this week. And obviously this is the week to talk about politics. This is the biggest political weekend. Yeah. Well, every four years. Right. Kind of. But this is a big one. And a lot of people are, there's a lot of negativity around this particular election. You know? Huh? What do you mean? Yeah. I don't know if you guys have been, <laughs> I don't know if you guys been look, watching the news. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It's sarcasm. But uh, it seemed like, the, so this particular election, there's a ton of negativity surrounding it. Yeah. So we wanted to talk about, well, there is a positive side to the presidency. Yay. And that's the paranormal side. Ooh, all right. And that's, I mean, and that's our favorite part. That's the only part we care. Because, hey, we're all going to be history someday. <laughs> that's true. You know, so we might as well talk about the fun parts yeah. of history instead of all the negative stuff. And, and the thing is, politicians can be very superstitious because you're always hoping for something. You mm -hmm. know... Okay, so what happened last week? The Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, sports ball. Right. And speaking of a curse that just ended, we put this in the, in the See You on the Other Side that's newsletter. That's right. And uh, if you are interested in becoming part of the See You on the Other Side newsletter where you get the coolest five paranormal stories every week, you can do that at othersidepodcast.com slash subscribe. But if you jumped in and did that, you would have seen that uh, there was a curse, the curse of the Cubbies. Yeah. They called it. That's and, pretty cool. And it was related <laughs> to this Billy Goat Tavern. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Chicago again. Right. Yeah. This should be the yeah, Chicago, this, episode. Should be the Chicago <laughs> episode. But this Billy Goat Tavern, which is a fun, it's a, it's a fun little bar on Michigan Avenue. And it's also the place where, um, well, it's the place where the Saturday Night Live sketch, the cheeseburger, cheeseburger oh, came from. Oh, Dick. Uh, no. Well, that's a different one. Oh, okay. That, that, that's the Chicago Bears. That's <laughs> okay. a different generation. The Bears. So, the cheeseburger, cheeseburger was John Belushi and uh, Bill Murray. Oh, Because okay. they're both from Chicago. Mm-hmm. So they knew about the Billy Goat Tavern. It's, it's, oh, it's cool. a Greek restaurant kind of place. Yeah. And, and that, that's a real fun place. And I remember going there as a kid. And they did the cheeseburger cheeseburger <laughs> when you were there. So wait, what was that? They just It was just a, it was a skit. And it wasn't just based on a particular joke. It just the, the way oh, these guys would okay. talk to the patrons. I they'd see. be like, well, what would you like? And you know, I'd be like, well, I like a burger. Like, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. <laughs> and they'd be like, I'd like a Coke. I'd like, no Coke, Pepsi. <laughs> And then it's, it's oh, just, I gotcha. It's just this kind of yeah. thing. It's just funny way the yeah. way the guys interacted and the way they yeah. talked and everything. It's the classic like early Saturday Night Live skit. And the Billy Goat Tavern is related to the curse of the Chicago Cubs. And the reason I'm talking about that is that people talk about the Chicago Cubs like it's a curse. Right. So, so sports, you know, they have the rally caps. Like they do all these little oh, superstitions. Oh, goodness. Yeah, like, there's I, tons of... Like Aaron Rodgers, I heard from the Packers, he doesn't wash his jock strap for the entire oh, season. Oh, stop it. I'm just kidding. Stop it. That's disgusting. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm glad to talk. If I talk to anybody else in Wisconsin and make a joke about Aaron Rodgers, they would beat me to death. Right. It's not so, cool. But um, so, so, yeah, you see when you watch a baseball game, you always see the players when they step up to the bat, they'll like do certain little weird like tap the ground three and times. And like I always wondered about that. So there and, must be some kind of superstition. Yeah, just or, little superstitions. And people do certain things. Habits. They, they kiss their cross, like the cross around their neck. They kiss it a certain way or anything. And that's just... The way they do. And when you're dealing with chance, mm -hmm. I mean, that's what happens. An election is chance. And so uh, people are obviously very superstitious about presidential elections. And they're also superstitious because there's a lot of history in the White House. 
Mm, and the what? And, the, and a lot of history. Nice. Any place with a lot of history is going to have some ghosts. You know, I even think like, even say something like Richard Dawkins, the world, I mean, if Richard Dawkins is living, the world's greatest atheist, he's living in an old enough house, it's going to have ghost stories. <laughs> right. And what's fun about the White House is it has a ton of them. Mm. And we can start with the most famous ghost story of the White House, and that's Abraham Lincoln. Yay. Yay. Speaking of Illinois. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. They love him there so much. Right, the land oh of Lincoln. Gosh. They're thinking about it. Um, makes me think about, uh, we used to um, play at a place in Illinois right next to St. Louis called the 313 yeah. in Belleville, Illinois. Yep. And so they, te- they had t-shirts <laughs> that said, drinking in the land of Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> um, it makes me think of when we played in Springfield and there's like the big Abe head and people go and rub his nose. So his nose, the nose of the statue, it's like a bronze statue or whatever. And the nose is all shiny and the rest of it's all... Tarnished right. and worn oh, out. Yeah, because everybody's in there. There's a statue of Abraham Lincoln here in Madison on Bascom Hill. Oh, yeah. That's right. And then, you know, a funny thing, speaking of sports, was that when the uh, Packers won the Super Bowl mm-hmm. in 1990, in January of 1997, um, after like the entire dorm, we, we, Wendy and I were living in the dorms at the time. This was, this mm-hmm. was back in the dark ages. <laughs> and... Everybody from the dorms like got up. They ran out. They ran to Bascom Hill and they put a cheese head on Abraham Lincoln's yes. head, a che- like a cheese head hat <laughs> is what the Green Bay Packers fans on Abraham Lincoln's head on the, on Bascom Hill before going to State Street and then proceeding to riot. Oh yeah, yeah, destroy the town. That's right. a good way to celebrate. But Abraham Lincoln is probably the most famous ghost of the White House. Wow, so, cool. I mean, so he, they've got he's got his own bedroom. Obviously, mm, they right. called the Lincoln bedroom. Yep. And I mean, that's where it all goes down. The bed is extra tall. <laughs> it's got to be extra long, right? Because the, the joke about Abraham Lincoln oh. was that his feet weren't big enough when he grew up in the log cabin, like his feet what? would stick out because he, he was a tall drink of water. Yeah. So the people that have seen a spirit of Honest Abe in the Lincoln bedroom, First Lady Grace Coolidge, so Calvin Coolidge's wife, Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands, and... Winston Churchill. Mm. So, I, I mean, Winston Churchill was probably drunk. So they've time. all seen the ghost of Abe. Yeah, they've that's all cool. seen the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. So he's probably the most famous ghost that's in the White House. Yeah. Speaking of Chicago, they also have a, a ghost <laughs> train related to Abraham Lincoln that people have seen. That's cool. They talk about it on the Chicago Ghost Tour. Huh. where So there was a funeral train, so Lincoln's body was like taken around the country, mm-hmm. like on a tour. Kind of like the Who, yeah. You know, like you know how Roger Dal- right. they, they keep Roger Daltrey Gosh. alive, no, to sing the song, not like that. So kind of like the Who. Um, <sighs> anyway, I'm just making fun of the Who, but the, the fact is that Abraham Lincoln then they took his body around like a, a thing after he was assassinated, and people have seen that ghost train of his wow, like, that's cool. His body come through after you know he's been gone for decades and centuries now, so. Abraham Lincoln is probably the most famous uh, ghost in the White House. And a lot of things are connected to him, too. Like, Wendy, Mary Todd Lincoln was pretty weird, too, wasn't she? Yeah, Mary Todd Lincoln actually visited Waukesha, Wisconsin. Waukesha, Wisconsin. Yeah. I heard we have a ghost tour. Yeah, there. yeah, there is. There happens to be a ghost tour. Very talented people working on that. <laughs> but she was one of the many visitors who went to Waukesha because they had the natural healing springs that mm-hmm. gave it the nickname Spring City. Her. But sadly, part of the reason she was there was to speak with a psychic medium. And uh, she was trying to contact Abe as well as her son who had died. So 
she utilized that seance technique to try to speak with them from beyond the grave, which is interesting. Right. So, uh, so not only, I mean, people see Abe's ghost and things like that, but mm-hmm. Mary Todd, his wife, would try to contact, purposely try to contact their dead son. And when their son died, that messed her up. Like oh, that, goodness. Well, well, it's going to mess anybody. Understandably, yeah. But Mary Todd, I mean, Mary Todd like went off the rails. Poor woman. And uh, Will, I mean, Willie Lincoln, you know, their, their son when they died, uh, it just it just messed them up a lot, and so Mary Todd would try to contact these people with that with spiritualism, seances, right. things like that, all all through. Mm-hmm. You know, if you let's say Michelle Obama was going to <laughs> a, having a seance, that would definitely be on the cover of the National Enquirer. Right? It would be like, <laughs> can you believe Michelle Obama's like engaging in right. seance? Yeah. Well, I mean, spiritualism was a huge thing in the eighteen, it's like sixties, eighteen seventies, eighteen eighties. After the Civil War, we've talked about this numerous times in the podcast, yeah. how popular spiritualism was. Right. So Mary Todd Lincoln being involved in that and, and coming to a place like, because in Wisconsin, we also had like a whole spiritualist right. movement. Yep. Whitewater. Whitewater mm-hmm. was like the spiritualist like university. Morris Pratt Institute. More, was, was the Harvard for spiritualism. <laughs> it was, and it's still there. Right. I mean, well, not there, but it's, it's still it's, in Milwaukee. It's, right, it's in Stalas, West Allen. Yeah. But the fact is, is that, I mean, people were really into it, so it wouldn't be yeah. weird. But if Michelle Obama was into it now, we'd be like, what's, what's up, right. Michelle? We'd be like, you really have sculpted arms, but I'm not really into this seance thing you're doing. Like, you look great, but what's with the seance? Oh. Okay. But it wasn't that long ago that one of our first ladies oh. was really into astrology. Really? How recently, Mike? How recently? I'm talking about 30 years ago. Wow, that isn't that long right. ago. Right, so it's in the late 20th century. Okay. So it, It's Nancy Reagan. What? Yeah. Now, I've also heard that that Ronald Reagan was the one who was really into astrology, and Nancy took the heat oh, for it. Oh, really? Okay, that could be that. That would make sense for mm-hmm. a spin for the press, right? Because if Ronald Reagan's the guy yeah. that's got his fingers on a nuclear button, right? Who's gonna is reading the is reading the paper every day? Is like, oh, I heard it's gonna be a bad idea. <laughs> well, I better invade Guatemala. You know, there's gonna oh, be trouble. No. Okay, but. May 4th, 1988. This is the New York Times, the paper of record, the Gray Lady. Okay. I don't know why they call it the Gray Lady. I don't either. I guess newspapers are gray. <laughs> um, but White House confirms Reagan's follow astrology up to a point. Washington, May 3rd. President Reagan and his wife Nancy are both deeply interested in astrology. The White House spokesman, Marlon Fitzwater, said what? today, and two former White House officials said Mrs. Reagan's concerns had influenced the scheduling of important events. A California astrologer said she had been consulted by the Reagans regarding key White House decisions, but Mr. Reagan said astrology had not influenced policy. Mr. Fitzwater said Mrs. Reagan is particularly worried about the impact astrological portents can have on her husband's safety, but he declined to say exactly how Mrs. Reagan had used that astrological information. And the president, of course they're going to ask the president about this, says, sure. No policy or decision in my mind has that. This is the worst Ronald Reagan impersonation <laughs> just, in history. It's okay. Just go with it. No policy or decision in my mind has ever been influenced by astrology. And also, the, Mr. Fitzwater, the secretary, says, It's true that Mrs. Reagan has an interest she has for some time, particularly following the assassination attempt in March of 1981. Mm. She was very concerned for her husband's welfare, and astrology has been part of her concern in terms of his activities. Mm. And then he says, they both feel it's unfortunate and a distraction and hardly relevant to the business of government. Oh, okay. well, right. It, 
it's because astrology is hardly relevant to the business. <laughs> no, no kidding. So I thought that was just a funny thing. And, and you forget sometimes, you know, our second election special was in March of this year uh, with Jeff Harmon, who's an astrologer. Right. Yep. Who lives in Los Angeles now, but then uh, he, he's from Manaqua, Wisconsin. Oh, that's right. And he knows the astrologer that the Reagans used to consult. Cool. And that's why he he had said. So he confirmed that it was confirmed, true. Yeah, that the, the Reagans were super in astrology. And that was, I mean, well, living in California for that long, right. you're going <laughs> oh, to get a little weird. <laughs> so I just love the fact huh. that uh, it's within our lifetimes well, while we were children. Yeah. During, I mean, during the era of Stranger Things, even, mm, uh, people were using astrology. Well, it shows open-mindedness, at least. It's it not something you normally associate with politicians, I guess. No, it doesn't. Well, I think that's a, that's a positive way to look at it. There we go. And, you know, I want to talk about, when I was a kid, the president that influenced me the most. Ooh. That's right. And it, nothing, must know. Nothing for anything political, but just because I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah. And it was Jimmy Carter. And so oh. I was born when Jimmy Carter was president. Oh, okay. And I had met Jimmy Carter when I was a baby, and he was running for president. I mean, no, how, how young? After, after he had been elected i like a baby like, like you were the baby that he held up for the picture or whatever yeah like he, he had visited milwaukee <laughs> and so my parents had gone when jimmy carter visited milwaukee. oh mini mike <laughs> and um you know it's funny because my parents aren't even the kind of people that vote for a guy like jimmy carter and so it makes me yeah. like but since the president was in well town, yeah anytime like, the president's in town it's, it's exciting big, yeah. i don't think it matters what your affiliation what is political affiliation is so but jimmy carter though um when i used to go to bed I used to not want to wear my socks. My mother okay. would say, you have to wear your socks. And I'd say, I don't want Why? to. And she'd be like, well, you know, President Jimmy Carter wears his socks to bed. And that made me want to wear those socks because President Jimmy Carter wore his socks to bed. Wow, I had no idea he had such an influence on you. Neither did I. I mean, um, as far as, because uh, I, I, you don't see me going out and building houses for Habitat well, for Humanity. If anything, I, I figured maybe he influenced your peanut butter Addiction. I do love peanut butter. <laughs> you oh do. My God. Yeah, I'm a huge peanut butter fan. Oh my God, I just binged on some peanut butter. Oh, okay, never mind. Halloween candy. Yeah, mine was just more of like I took like oh, no. two big spoonfuls of peanut oh. butter and a bunch of chocolate and then just like in the middle of the night two nights ago. Yeah, that, that happens like yeah. I'd say about once a year maybe. I'll, I'll do that. Have, you just have those moments yeah. when you're like, I'm going to make my own recent peanut butter cup in my mouth. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jimmy Carter was uh, in Leary, Georgia in 1969, and he saw an, a UFO, and while he was governor of Georgia, Carter was asked to file a report of the sighting by the International UFO Bureau in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, mm. and he did report seeing a UFO in September of 1973. And so, let's go into the details. Okay. One evening in 1969, two years before he becomes governor of Georgia, Carter was preparing to give a speech at a Lions Club meeting about 7.15. One of the guests calls attention to a strange object visible about 30 degrees above the horizon to the west of where he's standing. Carter describes the object as being bright white and as being about as bright as the moon. Hmm. It was said to have appeared to have closed in on where he was standing, but to have stopped beyond a stand of pine tree some distance from him. The object is then to have said to change color, first to blue, then to red, well... White, blue, and uh, red. Just like the USA, Jimmy. Well. Then, to ba then back to white. So he sees a red, white, and blue UFO. That might have been political. <laughs> Before appearing to recede in the distance. He felt that the object was self-luminous, like the, it was creating this light. Yeah. But it wasn't solid. 
And he mm. says it was indicated, it was witnessed by 12 other people, and it was viewed for at least 10 to 12 minutes before going out of sight. Here's what his statement says directly. Okay. There are about 20 of us standing outside of a little restaurant, I believe, a high school lunchroom, and a kind of green light appeared in the western sky right after sundown. It got brighter and brighter, and then it eventually disappeared. It didn't have any solid substance to it. It was just a very peculiar-looking light. None of us could understand what it was. Now, that's his official statement. In 2005, he's still talking about it. Well, he wasn't that great of a president, so he's got to talk about being a UFO. I mean, when your biggest accomplishment is wearing socks to bed... (laughs) Come on. No, Jimmy Carter is nice. Like one of the, <sighs> seems like one of the nicest people and most honest people in the world. Yeah. All of a sudden, one of the men looked up and said, look over in the West. And there was a bright light in the sky. We all saw it. And then the light, it got closer and closer to us. And then it stopped. I don't know how far away, but it stopped behind the pine trees. And all of a sudden, it changed color to blue. And then to red. And then to white. And we were trying to figure out what in the world can be. And then it receded into the distance. So, well, if, if it were today, I'd be like, it's a drone. Yes, obviously it would be a drone but we didn't have drones <laughs> right this is way before i mean unless the military or, or some you know they could have had something yeah but somebody you think could. That, uh, somebody so could have aliens somebody who within the two years though would become governor of georgia you think yeah. he would have known about it. right well the funny thing is when jenny Carter became president he did say that he was going to try to find out about ufos and then he kind of backtracked on it. Uh, so always that, do. He said there were defense implications in talking about UFOs. Uh, so at least he was honest about it yeah. defense implications. Like sure. Bill Clinton just came out and said, well, <laughs> we'll get to Bill Clinton in a second. <laughs> he doesn't have a ghost story, but his chief of staff, John yeah. Podesta. Oh, yeah. But uh, so Jimmy Carter at least said like there were defense implications into talking about UFOs. Okay. So that means the Air Force does know. And we know that the Air Force yeah. investigated UFOs. Mark O'Connell is writing right. a book on Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who was yes. the, the Project Blue Book guy. But it's just funny that, uh, that he decided to do that. Now, Bill Clinton, his chief of staff is a guy named John Podesta. John Podesta, who WikiLeaks has shown, he's now Hillary's chief of staff in her campaign, our right. campaign manager. Yep. And John Podesta is the biggest X-Files fan of the world. Yes. And so he's always talking about <laughs> how he's going to, you know, like he wants disclosure and he wants to figure out what's going on. And you figure you have access to the president of the United States, the former he's president of the know States, everything. The former first lady of the right. United States. You got to know something. So the fact that he's still tweeting about it leads me to believe that either, like, they're like, let's not tell the nerd about it. Right. They're like, he's going to tell everybody if we let him know. The funny thing is, is that, so Tom DeLonge from Blink-182. Yeah. Speaking of pop culture. Now, Tom DeLonge from Blink-182, he's gone off the deep end. Right. He thinks that his work now, he's working on UFO disclosure. Right. Is more important than being in the Blink-182 reunion. Well, I mean... If he's onto something good and real, like that's let's let's be honest. We're talking about like potentially. I'm all about it. (laughs) But I mean, speaking of Chicago, though, Blink 182 grabbed uh, Matt Skiba from um, Alkaline Trio Mm. to be part of the new Blink 182 instead of Tom DeLonge. Yeah, Alkaline Trio is a Chicago punk band. Well, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think rock and roll is probably the most important thing. He could be on Earth. However. If you really seriously were on it, like say, say Mike, say you were doing some research and you, you found like indisputable evidence that there's life out there and you know, you can can blow blow up and everything. Would you quit Sunspot just to work on that? I wouldn't quit it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Good. Good. I wouldn't quit the band. That that was supposed to be a test. I'd find a way to make a video for it. I'd find a way to integrate it because you'd know that if you found incontrovertible (laughs) evidence of UFOs out there, there'd be some way to tie that into selling more CDs. Nice. Nice. Well, selling more CDs. Now, who's dating myself in the 1990s? 
Congratulations, you've passed the test. You you you're a lifetime member of Sunspot. <laughs> Great, thank you very much. <laughs> Your loyalties have been proven. So so John Podesta has always been into UFOs. He even was emailing back and forth with Tom DeLong from Blink One Eighty Two because Tom DeLong was trying to find out more about UFO. He also uh, would email back and forth with uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell. Oh yeah, the astronaut. We talked about Dr. Edgar Mitchell after he passed away earlier this year. Fascinating person. He was an astronaut who had a UFO experience in space, right. and that changed his life and changed everything. Yep. John Podesta. This this came out actually. So we're recording this uh, before the election, and so when you hear this, the election might be over. And who wins? Uh. If it's not Cthulhu, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> But uh, no matter what, I'm rooting for Andrew WK myself. I would like to see Andrew WK be president. <laughs> the party party. The party party. Actually, can I interject with a quick... Please do. Interesting thing. I saw him when he was in Madison. I guess it was a week ago, yeah. Thursday. But they were giving away all the, the shirts and stickers and stuff for the party party. Because apparently there actually is a registered political party that's called the party party, party, party. in Missouri or something. And ah. they had sent him a cease and desist. So he had to get rid of, he had to dump all the merchandise and everything that he had. So he wasn't able to stuff to be, okay. <laughs> no. So Andrew WK is a, uh, an awesome rocker. Uh, and his big thing is talking about partying. And like that, he uses partying as a. That's his, it's a metaphor for, for, for everything. Living life to its fullest. And yeah. Yeah. A partying. It's, yeah. Basically partying. Yeah. So he also does a, a weekly column for the Village Voice in New York. And, he, and he's got That's a, great. he always answers people's questions about, about partying. And, and he, anything. He had a election. He, he's running for president on the. Party, party, right? Ticket. Well, yeah, he's not really. I mean, he's not really. It's just that 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 was like the theme for his motivational speaking tour that he's on, and he's going to all the states. So he's hitting right. a, fifty states. In yeah, two. that's right. So I forgot he was doing all, all the fifty states, which is impressive for any touring act. And he's pulling right <laughs> behind Cthulhu. Anyway, I believe. so so getting back to the election, <laughs> this just came out from the WikiLeaks. Ooh, and this is fun. So um. Campaign chairman John Podesta, the guy that loves the X-Files and UFOs and everything, he got an invite to an event by uh, performance artist Marina Abramovic to take part in an occult ritual based on something written by Alistair Crowley. Ooh. Holy moly, it's Alistair Crowley. Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Al, Al is back. In an email dated June 28, 2015, Abramovic wrote, I'm so looking forward to the spirit cooking dinner at my place. Do you think you'll be able to let me know if your brother is joining? All my love, Marina. Tony Podesta then forwarded the email to his brother, John Podesta, asking him, are you in New York City Thursday, July 9th? Marina wants you to come to dinner. So she invited John Podesta's brother and then okay. he invited her. Okay, I see. And so it's funny. So what is spirit cooking? Spirit <laughs> cooking refers to a sacrament in the re religion of Thelema, which was founded by... Holy moly, Alistair Crowley. Okay. And involves an occult performance during which menstrual blood, breast Ew. milk, urine, and oh, sperm what? are used to create a painting. Gosh. So they take uh, bodily secretions. Oh, why? And, and then they make a painting out of it. And Marina Abramovic was a, is a performance artist. So, of course, she's going to do weird, you know, performance artists love to do weird stuff. If the ritual is performed in an art gallery, it's art. But if it's performed privately, then it represents an intimate spiritual ceremony. Mm. And so uh, the ceremony is meant to symbolize a union between the microcosm, man, us. Okay. Don't just say man. Sure. We'll Short man. for human. Well, man. Human. Yeah. And the macrocosm, the divine, which is a representation of one of the prime maxims of hermeticism, as above, so below. What, I mean, I, that's, hermeticism has it, but even 
Catholicism has that as, right. um, as in earth, you know, so is in heaven. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, people are using this to say that one of Hillary Clinton's campaign managers is engaging in this kind well, of weird, you know, Satanists, because Alistair Crowley mean, obviously was involved with some weird stuff. Whatever it is, you got to admit, it's it's not the the kind of thing that an average politician or right <laughs> or even just an average person would would be like even considering going to so no that's, that's interesting and, but i totally would go to it <laughs> of course you would <laughs> like okay like yeah that's like, it's gonna be but gross. you're the co-host of a paranormal podcast right i mean i'm not running for, not running <laughs> right. for president and i've endorsed cthulhu <laughs> um, but i just thought it was a funny thing because this was just released and people are using it for like something shocking yeah but the thing is like if you're in, like a performance artist do performance yeah. art things like, that's not even yeah. the most shocking thing, I'd say. Like, John Podesta, if he really believes in UFOs, that someone's hiding it out there, that's way more shocking than being invited to some kind of dinner. Yeah. I mean, it's not really shocking. It's just, I, it's different from what you typically hear of someone. It just made me think of it today. Because today is the day that yeah. it came out. So you're like, oh, man. And this, you realize that there's so much stuff involved in the yeah. election and superstitions and, and curses, too. Okay. Ooh, curses. Yeah, and let me get to one of these curses here that happened with uh, William Henry Harrison. Now, not a lot of people know a lot about William Henry Harrison. I definitely don't know a yeah, lot about probably William because he took Harrison. office in 1840. Okay. So, oh well. So this is from SmashingLists.com. We grabbed a listicle for some of this stuff. Because when I was in the research, some of these listicles have stuff you can't find other places. Okay. So not so much a superstitious president as one that left a curse in his wake. Harrison's harshness as governor of Indiana angered the Native Americans there, and they are said to have put a curse on him and his successors. Every president who was elected in a year divisible by 20 would die while in office. It certainly worked for Harrison. He took office in 1840 and died okay. a year later. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln elected in 1860. We, we know what happened to Abe. Yeah. Uh, the curse held for every president up to Ronald Reagan. Whoa. That's crazy. Well... Think about 1940, you got, um, what's his name? Franklin Roosevelt. Jesus Christ, 1940. <laughs> Just a guy who helped us through World War II and the New Deal and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, what's his name? Well, you know, Roosevelt. Okay. The guy in the chair. Ch- you know, I bet if you ask the average person. Who was president in 1940? Yeah, you'd get, you might get some interesting answers. But anyway. Sure. Was that George Washington? <laughs> but okay, so that's a lot of presidents. Yeah, and let me check who was elected president in 1920. Like, I don't think the 1921, I didn't think that one had carried over. <gasps> Warren G. Harding was elected president. Warren G. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, because he died and Calvin Coolidge became oh, the president. Oh, look at that. Oh, my God. I didn't, reali- I, I didn't realize that Calvin Coolidge was Warren G. Harding's running mate. So, okay, interesting. 1940 was FDR. 1960 was JFK. And there's a couple more people like 19... Okay, so who was elected president in 1900? Let me look it up. Yeah, because now I want to know the full... Sure, I'm with you. ...lineage. <laughs> in 1900, it was... Oh, McKinley. Okay. And his, so, his vice president was Theodore Roosevelt. And so McKinley died like soon after. And then Theodore Roosevelt became president. Okay. Okay, and who was elected in 1880? <laughs> Because, I mean, this might stick out. Yeah, this is crazy. James A. Garfield. He ate too much lasagna, and he died of a lasagna <laughs> overdose. 
knew you were going to say that. Oh, come on. I'm totally serious. Yeah, no, Garfield died in office too. Okay, so that was 1880? Yeah. So 1860, it was, was started like, 1840, 1860, 1880, 1900, 1920, 1940, 1960, all the way up to 1980. So that's how many? And that's what Nancy Reagan, the reason she had oh, so far okay. in astrology, because sure. she was trying to predict. Well, and they, I mean, you got to know, like going into that, knowing all those other people on the, on the 20 years, mm-hmm. like kicked that's, it. That's one of my first memories too, is actually watching the news during the assassination attempt of Ronald oh, really? Johnny Hinckley's, yeah. Huh. And, and speaking of pop culture, you know, he was in love with Jodie Foster. No. Not, I mean, not in love Wait. with Jodie Foster in real life. Like he. Ronald Reagan? No, his his assassin. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, gotcha. John Hinckley. Who I think did John Hinckley just get out of jail? Okay, I'm gonna look that up. But um, so he was obsessed with Jodie Foster from the movie Taxi. Oh Driver. wow! Because Jodie Taxi oh, sure. was a, uh, a yeah. child star before she was yeah. an adult star. She wasn't an adult star. That's <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> like Jodie Foster was not an adult, adult actress, a successful, a, a very successful, successful adult actress. After she, after she became eighteen, she was a very successful actress. Obviously, <laughs> a sounds of the land, and her directing work has been brilliant. Yes. Okay. Hillary became obsessed with the 1976 film Taxi Driver, in which disturbed protagonist Travis Bickle—that's Robert De Niro when mm-hmm. he's talking to me—plots yeah. <laughs> to assassinate a presidential candidate. The Bickle character was partly based on the diaries of Arthur Bramer, who attempted to assassinate George Wallace, who ran for president in 1968 on an independent ticket. Mm. Uh, he developed an infatuation with actress Jodie Foster, who played a child prostitute in the film. When Foster entered Yale University, Hinckley moved to New Haven, Connecticut, where Yale live, mm. for a short time to stalk her. He even enrolled in a Yale writing class, began slipping poems and Man. messages under her door, and repeatedly called her. That's serious. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know. I know he had sent letters to Jodie Foster. Yeah, that's taking it. I didn't know he moved to New Haven, Connecticut. Just to be there. Took a class at Yale so he could track her. Oh, man. Hinckley wrote to Foster just before he tried to kill President Reagan. Over the past seven months, I've left you dozens of poems, letters, and love messages in the faint hope that you could develop an interest in me. Jodie Foster doesn't like. Oh, okay. So she wasn't going to be into John Hinckley Jr. No matter what. Sure. Um, although we talked on the phone a couple of times, I never had the nerve to simply approach you and introduce <laughs> right. myself. Right, because when you call somebody and you go, <sighs> <sighs> you know. It makes it hard to converse. I know, and I've had to stop making those calls to people. The reason I'm going ahead with this attempt now is because I cannot wait any longer to impress you. Oh my goodness. So he was trying to, he was trying to impersonate the character from Taxi Driver then. A little bit, but he, I'm right. And he's trying to impress Jodie Foster and he shoots the president oh like, and shoots him. And Ronald Reagan was, I mean, he was out for a while. Yeah. George Bush was president for a little while. Ronald Reagan was out and they were doing the stuff. And he also wounded the press secretary, James Brady, which is why we have the Brady, like gun control law bills. Mm-hmm. No, but so that, that was a big I didn't deal. know like, that. He's just trying to impress Jodie Foster. Yeah. July 27th, 2016. A federal judge ruled that Hinckley would be allowed to be released from St. Elizabeth's on August 5th, as he was no longer considered a threat to himself or others. 
the conditions of his release are that he has no contact with the Reagan family, the Brady family, or... Jodie Foster. Right. He's going to live with his 90-year-old mother and be restricted to a 50-mile zone around her home in wow. Williamsburg, Virginia. <sighs> so on September 10th, uh, John Hinckley Jr. was released from being in a... Of this year. In, in this year. 2016. Yep. Yeah. He's released after being, for 35 years, he was... Oh, goodness. Yeah, in the facility. He can't speak to the press. He has to work three days a week. And he can't drive more than 30 miles from his mother home, mother's home or 50 miles if attended. And must he has to have regular psychiatric, mm-hmm. obviously, because he's oh. tried to kill the president. Interesting. To impress Jodie Foster. Oh, gosh. Carrie's. Sorry. All right, we we went on a little tangent, but, know, it's still, but it still it still applies. Interesting, the, obviously, because that the it, curse, right? And it created that the whole curse. So Ronald Reagan broke the curse. So if he had been a better shot, then the curse would have stayed intact. But thankfully, yes. he did not succeed in his attempt, and that I'm assuming broke the curse. Yes. So I mean, or Ronald Reagan must have done something nice yeah. for the Native American population <laughs> in Indiana to end the curse on the presidents, because George Bush it didn't happen to him either. Oh, okay. So every 20 years, so if you were. Uh, elected and you know by the time it's like 1940 you think fdr would have been like you know uh, why don't we hold off until the next hey, one you know, Harry <laughs> well, Truman, why don't you run this time? that's what i'm saying is that by the time the reagans were in the white house like you know i can it's it's kind of you'd be freaked out you'd be you know yeah, because like somebody and like people are dying and so maybe the astrology thing you know i can i can kind of see it like hey i mean fdr did make it to 1944 Mm. So he lasted. That's he, a good long and while. And he was president for 12 years. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the whole reason we have that amendment that only lets the president be elected twice. Right. Is because everybody's like, hey, if people try to pull some FDR business again, like mm. you can have a FDR. Yeah. And he would have been reelected in 1946, yeah. I believe. Or no, no, I'm sorry, 1944. Yeah. He would have been reelected easily. So that's part of the thing. Mm. Like you could have a dictator for life. Yeah, right. And, and people said that about Ronald Reagan, that he could have easily ran for a third term. Sure. He was he so well loved. Yeah. Michael Dukakis. <laughs> Like, come on. Okay. He's a smart guy, but the, he's not going to be, he didn't have yeah, the personality and right. stuff like that. And people said that Bill Clinton could have ran for a third term. Sure. Well, Bill Clinton is running for a third term as we <laughs> oh. speak. Tomorrow it might be, it might be the president, like he might be in the White House again. You never oh, know. Oh, man. And he might be in the White House and he might be seeing ghosts like Andrew Jackson. Hmm. So um, there's the Rose Room. And uh, Mary Todd Lincoln herself said she heard that Jack- she heard Andrew Jackson, which is talking about old Hickory, uh, stomping and swearing in in the Rose Room in the what White a House. Rude ghost. <laughs> well, he was a, he was a jerk. Yeah, like he may have been a good he may have been a good general helping them in the War of eighteen twelve, but certainly Andrew Jackson was not a um, a gentleman. <laughs> not a nice guy. You know, not a yeah. nice guy. In both in life and after life. After life, he's rude. He's stomping, swearing. A guttural laugh. <laughs> Can you imagine hearing that? You're like, <laughs> no. Thomas Jefferson plays his violin in the yellow oval room. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Wendy's a violin player, Aww. so she likes to think about old Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> I might do that someday. Uh, Dolly Madison protects the rose garden. <laughs> Come on. Uh, William Henry Harrison, the guy we were just talking about. Uh, who died in office in 1840. He haunts the attic. He was the first That's president. That's a spooky place to haunt. He was the first president to die in the White House. Oh, and So he must okay. have been looking for something in the attic. Yeah. And just hasn't found it to this day. Okay. Abigail Adams hung laundry in the East Room and contemporary staff can smell wet laundry and the scent of lavender. Ew. 
An unnamed British soldier who perished in the War of 1812 uh, roams the White House grounds holding a torch. So when the British burnt the White House in the War of 1812, I guess one guy, the guy who had the torch is still, mm. is still hanging. Like, wow. That's a one great that's thing. Cool. He's like, he's like, hey, Aww. mate, I'll burn the White House right don't, down. Don't forget about me. Hey, look at me, Mr. Americans. You think you're very cool, do you? You think you're really hard, do you? I burnt your White House down. Didn't I? Didn't I? <laughs> I was having too much fun. Okay, then. Anna Surratt. Anna was only 22 years old when her mother, Mary Surratt, was sentenced to death as a conspirator in the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Despite Anna's heartbreaking efforts to save her mother, Mary Surratt was hanged not quite three months after the assassination. Oh, wow. So Anna Surratt uh, was someone who was trying to save her mother's life because her mother was indicted as one of the conspirators with John Wilkes Booth. Wow. So she bangs on the door of the White House, pleading to see President Andrew Johnson. She was there to beg for her pardon for her mother. Uh, Mary Surratt. You know, interesting too is who else got in trouble for Lincoln's assassination is a guy by the name of uh, Roger Mudd. Mm. And he was a doctor that didn't know that John Wilkes Booth had just assassinated the president. Okay? But John Wilkes Booth was injured and came to Dr. Mudd. And he took care of him. Dr. Mudd took care of him because he was the Hippocratic Oath or whatever. And then Roger Mudd got in trouble. For helping him. For helping him. See if only Twitter was around back then. Right. Could have seen. He'd, he'd have been like, oh my God, they shot the president. Right. I can't help you. This Who's guy. this guy? So the, the term, Wow. your name is Mud. Oh, really? Comes from that. Oh my God, it's not Roger Mud. it's Samuel Mud. <laughs> okay. I really thought for the past 30 years that it was Roger Mud. Like, just like the broadcaster, because there was an NBC reporter for a long years named Roger Mud. I always thought they well, had the same name. You really screwed up, Mike, and now you know what? Your name is Mud. <laughs> well, it's funny. I saw a movie about it when I was like six. <laughs> and, and because the thing is, his family claims that he was innocent, that he just set, because uh, he was eventually tried, and mm. he was imprisoned for being part of the Lincoln assassination wow. conspiracy. So anyway, so that's, that's why. So sorry, it's not Roger Mudd at all. It's Samuel <laughs> Mudd. I thought it was Roger Mudd for the past 30 years. All right. Well, that's okay. Um, all right. So we've got one more uh, ghost story that uh, came up, and I thought this is a pretty good one. And this is coming from uh, an author who had been invited to the uh, White House by uh, Ronald Reagan in 1986. Didn't we? Oh, man. I'm not going to bring back my bad Ronald Reagan impersonation for this one. Okay, so according to the president, Rex, the King Charles Cavalier Spaniel, who had recently replaced Lucky as first dog, had twice barked frantically in the Lincoln bedroom and then backed out and refused to set foot over the threshold. And another evening, while the Reagans were watching TV in their room, Rex stood up on his hind legs, pointed his nose at the ceiling, and began barking at something invisible overhead. Mm. To their amazement, the dog walked around the room barking at the ceiling. I started thinking about it, the president said. And he began to wonder if the dog was responding to an electric signal too high-pitched for human ears, perhaps beamed toward the White House by a foreign embassy. What? So, okay, so he thought maybe the foreign embassy was trying to use it like electronic surveillance into the White House. Oh, boy. But then he said uh, a member of his family, his daughter Maureen Reagan, and her husband always stay in the Lincoln bedroom when they visit. Some time ago, the husband woke up and saw a transparent figure standing at the bedroom window looking out. Then it turned and disappeared. Uh, Cool. Yeah. 
Sounds like a ghost to me. So so Maureen Reagan teased her husband about it for a long time until she woke up one morning and saw the same (laughs) figure standing at the window looking out. And she said it was transparent. She could see the trees right through it. Well, the moral of the story... Don't tease somebody if they think they saw something. Right, because you're going to see it again. You're next. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and that was happening in the Lincoln bedroom. In Lincoln. Well, we talked about him a lot before, but we did forget one important thing. What was the big one? Which, in fact, was reported by the Waukesha Freeman Mm. (laughs) that uh, he held seances in the White House. Yeah. So we were talking about Mary Todd going and doing a seance and visiting a psychic herself. But Lincoln himself was part of the seances in the White House. That's right. And so the Freeman actually had an article that the title of which was the president elect a spiritualist. And it's funny, I think that they, um, you know, they were using spiritualism or whatever to kind of knock him because they're like, hey, uh, you realize that the the president's having like trying to communicate with the dead in the basement of the White House. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I mean, the Freeman, I don't know if they actually would be knocking him because they had a lot of articles that were very pro-spiritualist. Sure. But I'm sure the general public at seeing an article like that would, would have... Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, okay, that's great. Like, if, if anybody, like, running for office today, it said, like, they're having a sense. Well, you know, that's a funny thing. Uh, and I think we have, one, like, moving on to that story. Um, actually, Hillary, in the 90s, she had talked about in an interview when they were in the White House, she was trying to channel the spirit of Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. So the actual story is that she would hold imaginary conversations with Eleanor Roosevelt and Mahatma Gandhi as a therapeutic release. Oh, that's interesting. And that was that was in a book written by Bob Woodward, who was okay. one of the Watergate reporters 40 years ago. But here's what her doctor said. We were using an imaginative excuse to force her ideas to think about how Eleanor would have responded to a particular problem. The doctor said, I have never been to a seance. <laughs> okay. She so said, it's more of an exercise. Yeah. She said that what happened was it was brainstorming sessions. Yeah. And Bob Woodward had exaggerated it when he talked about them like holding a seance to communicate with Eleanor Roosevelt. So that reminds me of the uh, Napoleon Hill book, Outwitting the, the Devil. That's the think and grow rich guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's one where he has his whole panel of past presidents and other famous dead people, basically, okay. that he consults. So he has like a little brainstorming session. Uh, yeah, exactly. Regularly like, with them. Sure. It's like a what would Jesus do bracelet. I think so. A little bit. Except yeah. you're having like a what would Franklin Roosevelt do. or All the big movers in history, basically. Okay. Like what would Genghis Khan do? Yeah. He'd kill everybody. That's uh, <laughs> Gen- right. Genghis Khan's answer. Like, huh, what would Vladimir would- Taylor do here? Oh, he'd put their head on a pipe. Yeah, I don't think those were his consultants. <laughs> okay, I hope not fair anyway. Enough. <laughs> fair enough. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us today on our look through the paranormal and the presidency. So uh, whatever happens, hopefully you go out and vote and make your choice and do the thing. But since we do have an official position here on the See You on the Other Side podcast, uh, we thought we would release our election song for the elder god himself. Vote Cthulhu. are all rigged. They think their vote will go to waste, but there's a trust you can support if you feel your views undeserved. There's a sleeper that lies dreaming who'll give us just what we deserve. I'm voting Cthulhu because it's time we all came clean. I'm calling Cthulhu. Oh, 
Apocalypse is what I mean I'm voting Cthulhu To wake the elder gods themselves If you're gonna waste your vote Well, why not waste everyone else? If you're gonna waste your vote Well, why not waste everyone else? On the left or on the right It won't matter where you stand When you're driven mad from fear You just won't care in the wasteland That is not fear Which can eternalize And with strange arms Even death may die I'm voting Cthulhu Because it's time we all came clean I'm calling Cthulhu Apocalypse is what I mean I'm voting Cthulhu To wake the elder gods themselves If you're gonna waste your vote Well, why not waste everyone else? If you're gonna waste your vote Well, why not waste everyone else? I'm voting Cthulhu Because it's time we all came clean I'm calling Cthulhu Apocalypse is what I mean I'm voting Cthulhu to wake the elder gods themselves If you're gonna waste your vote Well, why not waste everyone else? If you're gonna waste your vote Well, why not waste everyone else? I'm voting Cthulhu Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. And you know what time it is now. It's time to thank our Patreon. Yay! Thank you, Patreons. Yes, every single one of you guys who uh, make it possible for us to put on this very cool podcast every week. And if you would like to join that awesome Patreon community, you can do that at OthersidePodcast.com slash donate. That's right. And we give a special shout out to Ned, one of our patrons. A man, Ned. For pledging us at the level where he gets a shout out every week. A personalized one. Awesome. Ned, so thank you for uh, making it possible and see you on the other side. Try not to breathe heavy in there. Okay. <laughs> it's recording now. Okay. I am Cthulhu and I approve this message.